0: Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog, wonderful lads that do a great job there
1: And
0: worth reading about that man there, Karim Benzema, he's the rest and the numbers reveal why Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. This is your host Keon Sobani. It is Sunday afternoon, shortly after Real Madrid defeat Villarreal 3-1. And thank the Lord, the season is almost over. It's just 2 games left now, Omarvind. Uh, and join me to talk about Real Madrid. Is Omarvind. Welcome to the show and how are you doing, Omar?
1: Well, I'm doing okay, I guess. I'm um, considering the fact that I don't even really want to watch Real Madrid games anymore because it's so pointless. Um, yeah, under those circumstances, I'm doing fairly okay. um I mean, I honestly like you know, we joke about this like so many times before, but I honestly just am at a loss about what we're supposed to talk about in this game
0: um like we're we're supposed to theoretically talk about the i guess the things like the younger players and how they're developing and stuff my my issue with this is, and this is coming from someone who. Tweeted out praise about Vallejo, about Mariano, about Brahim, maybe a couple others. Can't remember. I, I think Fadi Valverde had a, had a pretty good game overall. Having said all that, even though like we see these cool things, on what level and what sample size do we do we put this as, and how much do we actually look at it and 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 kind of stretch it out to something that can give us a premonition on how these players will do. I think with, with someone like Vallejo, we kind of know that this is, it's just a good sign that he's, he looks this good and he looks this fresh because we already know what he's capable of. Other players I'm kind of still like unsure of, you know, if we see one or two good games of Mariano after a season that we didn't really see much of him. uh, I'm not sure if it, it means anything to us a, because it doesn't necessarily mean he would be better than Jovic and Benzema next season. And and B, because I, I don't even know if it means he's going to be here anyway, so how much to you even really discuss someone like him? I agree with you. I don't know exactly what to take out of games like this other than the fact that I actually think I take away less from them than I would from a preseason. Because from a preseason, you're getting mm-hmm. in the stride of a season, and it's it's a more exciting feeling. It's this kind of this feeling of renewal, this feeling of a new start. You know, how are these players doing? With this, I just, it, it's really hard to dissect.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that's a very good way of putting it. So I think kind of like using what you said about Vallejo, I think the way to kind of take these games when looking at players is, you know, what do we already know about them? Because what what we've already seen in the past is a larger sample size And that should always inform how we see a player going forward. Like, each game is just new information adding on to this trove of of info we have from the past. So, like, one game cannot completely change your opinion. It would take several, right? But one game is still information being added on to what you already have in your memory bank. And, for example, what we saw from Vallejo today is, like, you know, both you and I who who watched him in the Bundesliga, we know that, like, what he showed today, you know, that that could be who, who, he, who he could be if, if he was injury-free, right? Like, lots of great vertical passes. There, were, You know, I felt like he was kind of getting the stride of his passing in the beginning. I felt it was a little rough, but by the end, you know, he was comfortably zipping passes into the feet of the forwards. You know, he was lofting passes over, you know, um, uh, Villarreal's attackers to find the fullbacks. It was really nice, and on defense, he was just overall solid. Um, you know this is the Vallejo that I've, I've known that I saw I saw for a full season I know that this is actually how good he is um, in terms of Brahim um, you know it's a little harder you know we he really hasn't had that many games in the top flight but I still think there are things you can take away that at least from what I've seen match up with things so like for example that work rate he had to win the ball back for the first goal, yeah, I've seen that kind of like attitude consistently with him. Like he has no problems working hard off the ball, and he likes to make stuff happen, you know. In in that aspect of the game, so to me, that's just another little piece of information I add as evidence for my opinion on that part of his game. And then in terms of like his dribbling and stuff, you know, I, again, I I see the fact that he's really proactive, he's really brave, but also that like his decision making is, is is rather suspect. I mean. He completed three out of nine dribbles. um, And in some of those situations, I felt like they were rather unnecessary. But, you know, when it worked, it had it had a good effect. And, you know, again, that's kind of like the high potential of what Brahim could reach. Like if he's able to, like, just, you know, have better decision making of when to dribble and when not to. And then, you know, so it's narrowed down to mainly only the ones he pulls off. Then it can have a really good offensive, you know, impact on what we do. So in, the, in that sense, I feel like this is adding little kernels of information to what I already know, and it's kind of like solidifying my opinions on some players. But, you know, for someone like Fede, who I agree with you, I think he played rather well. I think the end-to-end atmosphere actually suited him, you know, his, 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 his box-to-box qualities. But because I've seen so little of him, there's, like, no memory bank, like I'm really adding to. Like, this game is forming, like, the beginnings of a memory bank, so I don't really know how to feel about, like, Fede. Um.
0: I think the fact that you you've briefly glossed over kind of the end-to-end nature of this game I think that is something to to remember in a game like this where like deciding on how much you want to run away with a game like this and kind of add it to your to your repertoire of kind of like your research and and trying to figure out who fits where and and will the X player be here next year this was a game of just Maybe chaos is, is a good word to put it in terms of VR. Definitely Rea. towards the end. Definitely towards the end. Because I'm when I was writing my reaction, I had to constantly flip screens to see why the commentator was going nuts. And <laughs> it was just like transition defense collapse after transition defense collapse for both teams. By the end of it, when VR, like I had to, I'm glad I didn't have to rewrite my immediate reaction totally. But then the, the goal in 94th minute um, from Hamakasa, because Casemiro was burned by Gerard Moreno. Yeah. And then, McCosta was found at the top of the box, and that was just brutal defending. And then, they, they almost scored right at the very end too, and if that turned out to be 3-3, that would have driven me nuts. Um, but I think what to take kind of con- into consideration for a game like this is that it was so chaotic, and so, um, VRL provided almost nothing going the other way, other than dispossessing Casemiro early. To score their goal and also like you know Marcelo was able to in a game like this Marcelo part of the reason I think he had a great game was he was in a very advanced position all game and was able to go back to the Marcelo we all know and love and that is to take players on to cut in shoot with his right foot or his left foot um Vallejo's goal came from a direct Marcelo shot and a rebound where Vallejo tucks in and sneaks in behind the defender and But Marcelo was really fun throughout, and I thought Kroos was picking him out and other players out really well. And those two, I thought, combined really well offensively. But Villarreal also couldn't really punish Marcelo for staying up the field so much. And I don't. And I'm thinking back now, especially in those games under Solari, Marcelo didn't really have that offensive freedom, and so it was like, it's like putting out um, this offensive weapon and chaining him to the back, but his strength is not defending. So it was kind of. I think playing under Solari was, really was not a good thing for Marcelo in particular. But uh, but Villarreal just couldn't punish him. Some of that had to do with, I think, Casemiro, apart from that disaster, um, classic Casemiro gaffe, and also getting burned in the second half. I actually was okay with his positioning defensively, and him and Vallejo and Kroos could cover for Marcelo when he was up the field. But I just think the context is that Villarreal are not good. They haven't been good all season. And in this game, they were just not good. So, like, there's that.
1: Yeah, I mean, so there's that. And then there's also the fact that I think, specifically, they weren't good. Like, even more so than the fact that, like, they didn't have much going forward until, like, the 75th minute. Um, I think their defensive structure was was quite bad. Um, Like, so, I mean, when you're trying to, like, pick apart you know, uh, an opposition structure um, when you have the ball, essentially you're trying to, like, create space in some kind of way so your best players can get on the ball and push you forward, right? Like, that's the basic concept. And so a common way of doing this is, like, you know, you, 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 you switch the field to, like, shift the point of the attack. You play the ball forward and then you play it backwards so that you draw, like, the team out, you know, ho- hoping that <clears throat> vertical spaces open up. And then you quickly, like, hit it to the other side or you hit it into the vertical space that it opened up. Like, but when you do that, it's supposed to take, like, four or five times because, like, there's a standard, like, of tactical structure you expect in in a top-flight team. We literally just had to do that once and, <clears throat> and we, we had progressed in the field. And, like, Villarreal's, like, compactness just, like, imploded. And, I, I mean, it wasn't really a contest. That's why, like, you could go at any point in this game especially in the second half, and it'll just be the entire team running forward in what looks like acres of space. And then after we scored the third goal, I mean, Villarreal didn't even have to do anything special. Like, our our players were spread across the entire width of the pitch. You know, there was no structure anymore, and it was just a back-and-forth game. And that is what I think is making you, Keon, and I, like, you know— kind of tentative like, about making hard conclusions about it, about something like this because, I mean, you just expect most of the opposition to be tougher than this, and if you want to evaluate how a player is going to be in our system, you just, you're de- generally looking at, like, how are they going to be against, you know, the average quality of a team, and Villarreal just, they just weren't good today, and we weren't good either, so it was, like, twofold. It was the opposition, you know, us operating in an environment that made it easy for us, and also... You know, our environment didn't give us any indication of how a player was gonna like perform under a certain system. It was just free. It was just chaotic, and you know, players got their minutes.
0: Yeah, and that's why I that's why I said that. I think you get more of actual preseason game, and that's because you can kind of see some semblance of what the coach wants to implement. And uh, even even though you really because because there's like there are games in the preseason where you'll see like 11 subs at halftime. So I'm um, not in that sense. But in the sense of you kind of just see where where the team's head is at and like what the coach is trying to do, and especially when you get into the super cup, you can kind of start seeing what the coach is trying to do and what we might see the semblance of the rotation be, <clears throat> which whereas in this game it's like you have you really have no idea what to take from it or what even Zidane is taking from it. i'd be I'm very curious to know what happens to brahim in all this because I think from what we've read, from what Zidane has said and what from what we've seen. That maybe Brahim is better than we thought. Um maybe I'll speak for myself, because you know I know you actually watched him at City more than I did. But I um but I don't I don't know if like Zidane's assessment of Brahim coming in is probably much different now than it was when he first came in because he wasn't a Zidane signing. So he had to come in and see up close what Brahim was all about because he wasn't around in the training before when Solari was there to know. And now I think he's probably impressed. And I think what's impressed me about Brahim in particular was that ever since Vinicius went injured against Ajax, we never really saw that one person who can just kind of break the defensive line and go at them and dribble past them and constantly look vertical and just disrupt things with his movement and his dribbling and his shooting and his crossing. And Brahim has kind of took that mantle and now we have Vinicius back, although they they we didn't get a chance to see them overlap because Vinicius came in for Brahim. But I, if there's anything that kind of exciting for the last two games, on is at least seeing them those two play together. And I and I do wonder if Brahim has kind of swayed Zidane. I don't know if it means that he swayed him to stay, but certainly I, I think that Zidane probably sees him a bit higher now.
1: I mean that may be. I mean I don't know that. It's always such a ge- big guessing game when you're trying to get inside Zidane's head. I think that's a completely plausible thing. Uh, I will say that, speaking for myself, I haven't seen anything from Bri- that Brahim that changes my opinion about him. Um, you know, he's done the good things that I expected that he could do, and he's also shown weaknesses that I identified before. And I'm not, you know, I'm not even shocked. I'm, I'm not saying this like, you know, to big myself up or something. I mean, it's literally only been two games. So it's not really anything special that, like, what I've observed in the past has continued, um, you know, forward now. Um, I, from my perspective, I still think the best option is to loan him because I, I don't think he's better than the, I don't think he's better than Vinicius. I don't think he's better than Asensio um, it's go on the wing. I, you know, especially if the rumors are true and we're going to bring in Hazard, I think that just becomes even more of the case. Um And then it's kind of a question of like, yes, I think he has the higher offensive ceiling than Lucas Vasquez, but, you know, to what extent is Brahim as comfortable riding the bench as Lucas is and can Lucas and can Brahim provide like, you know, Lucas's reliability in defense and also like what people continue to underrate, which is that while Lucas is not that flashy, he consistently provides like offensive creation, you know always in the top three or four players in our team per minute. Um, So looking at it that way, it's kind of like, yes, what we saw, especially in that, like the first game we're talking about, um, I felt it less so this game, but that ability to just kind of take a defense to pieces by himself is the potential. But I feel like that really needs more room to grow. And I don't feel like he's at Vinicius's level in, in, in that sense. I think Vinicius is like, and another stratosphere in terms of, like, this guy could go on to be a Ballon talent and a regular contributor right now, whereas I feel like, you know, maybe Brahim can reach that level, but I really feel like he needs consistent minutes, and I don't think he'd be a superior option than the other people we have right now. And uh, really, the only way to confirm that is get consistent minutes, and with, you know, the rotation and the players we're going to get, I don't see how that's the case, but, I mean... Again, like, I don't know, maybe we're selling Asensio or something like that, which I think would be a mistake, but it seems someone put out a poll, I think it was Real Madrid champs, and it was split right down the middle. 33% wanted Asensio to leave, 33% wanted him to stay, 33% didn't know, and I think that confusion and that uncertainty about what Madrid fans expect from the players, who they want to stay, I think heightens, like, the focus over Brahim, right, because... You know, in that uncertainty, I think you can see like Brahim having a place in this team.
0: I'm still high on Asensio. Um, I would be of the thirty-three percent that would be in favor of keeping him. And I think and I don't think uh I don't think Brahim is I agree with you essentially. Brahim is not in the level of Vinicius for sure, who's a complete anomaly right now in what we've seen in terms of offensive creation and Being able to break lines in in a team that just looked incapable of creating anything in the final third this season. Um, But I also think that with a a player like Asensio, if you kind of look back, it's kind of actually normal for him to have a bad year at this stage of his career. And we all know about the famous sophomore slump, and it's kind of... And almost... If anyone watches the NBA, it kind of reminds me of Jason Tatum. Like, kind of went from his first year absolutely mm-hmm. flooring us with everything he did in the playoffs and Dunking on LeBron to this season. It's you know we really didn't see that version of him, but I think I think everyone kind of unanimously agrees that he has talent and he's probably going to make it to some degree. I kind of feel that way with Asensio that he set the bar so high for himself um, that this season. Then he, we threw him into the lineup and expected him to take Ronaldo's spot because that's essentially what he was, and I think it just kind of got to him. And then we didn't see him kind of start turning a corner until the, the the two Ajax games where I thought he was one of the rare bright spots in the team. But I think it's, I think it's way too crazy to give up on him now, especially given that you know he's he's still young, he's still promising, and I think you know he'll have some healthy competition in the squad as well. Which uh, yeah, I mean yeah
1: this game is like a microcosm of the season, right? Like the difficulties and analysis that you have in this game is pretty much how it's been the entire season in that (laughs) no tactics, just chaos. You know, the, the system, you know, we don't know what the system is. We don't know how players are reacting to the system. You know, we've had three different managers. So when you look at this environment, you have to ask yourself, is this an environment where you think players can succeed? And, you know, can, or or to phrase it another way, which is kind of whenever I want to, like, analyze players, I, I try to phrase it this way. Do you feel that the player is succeeding despite the environment or the environment is aiding that player to succeed? And I find it very hard to argue the latter. I felt the environment that we've had this season, just all the factors involved, has, it's been extremely difficult to thrive, which is why I think, you know, we're so convinced that Benzema has been, our best player this season, and I don't disagree. I can't disagree with that, but it's telling when Benzema was actually really bad the first half of the season and only really turned it on um, ever since when Vinicius started playing, then teetered off a little bit and then came back into his form when Zidane came. That we're all unanimously convinced that he was our best player. It speaks to the fact that like the platform for success has been so inconsistent that someone who's shown these flashes for any remotely consistent period of time yeah. was our best player for the season. Yeah. And so when you want to definitively say, like, Asensio's done, you know, he, 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 we thought he was good, he's not, off of that kind of platform, I just find it, like, I just don't find it very convincing and logical argument. You know, as, as, as lame as it might seem to say, we really need to see a season where we have just one coach, one coach who knows what he's doing, you know, who provides a consistent, stable platform for his players and provides a platform for them to succeed. And that's the only way you can evaluate. And when Asensio did have that, you know, as consistent and stable as you can be under Zidane you know, management, he played really well. So you know, when I look at that, I, I mean, to me, I haven't really given up on Asensio
0: at all. Well, I also think it's not a good sign that Benzema is your best player in the season. Uh, I think that that he needs to be a part of a puzzle piece but not he can't be the main guy he can't be the one leading you into battle i don't think i because he's just not prolific or efficient enough to to consistently get you to where you need to go as as a leader I, don't, I think he's a great player i think he's had a good season i don't think it's a good sign if he's your best player i think you need other players stepping up and I, I also want to take this back to Mariano, because I think Mariano ties into this discussion a little bit. Um, because when we're talking about shot volume that Ronaldo left, the void that he left when he left, um, there was a lot of chaos that he brought with his presence, whether it's sucking defenders in off the ball, whether it's shooting from distance and players grabbing rebounds and cutting in, taking multiple defenders out of the, out of the wing. When you when you miss that, you need to a you need someone to especially if you're going to continue crossing. By the way, which it seemed like the crossing metrics kind of seem to have risen from when last time I checked before this game, um, kind of as Lopetegui left and we started to rely on crosses quite a bit and not really anyone to finish them. And so when you when you need that to bring that chaos back, you need someone as athletic but also kind of instinctually good enough off the ball to get to those spots offensively to score, but also to just to get on the ends of things. Mariano made a lot of sense in this season. And I don't... I mean, this could be just like a two or three games of just saying goodbye to him in these last two, three games of Mariano because I don't think he's on a, a Jovic or a Benzema level or whatever. But at the same time, you know, I think, I think we could have really used him this season. And sometimes we kind of forgot about we we essentially a lot of us really forgot about him because he was injured for stretches and then when he was healthy he wasn't he was either not in the squad or just looking on from the bench when Real Madrid just couldn't figure things out offensively do you think there was just kind of just a misuse of him this season though?
1: yeah um i think before that injury there were plenty of opportunities cuz i think when he got injured was also kind of the time where when vinicius became a regular and for a period, it looked like Vinicius and Benzema would just be enough to take us through the end of the season, make a run in the Champions League, and then we lost to Ajax, and you know it was done. Season was over. Um, there was periods before that where we were just struggling so much to produce any kind of shots. Like our, our creative numbers were way down. Where I seriously talked about Benzema on the left, Mariano up top, um, Bale on the right, you know, to increase our shot production and it, it didn't even necessarily have to be that way right it could have been a 442 or it could have been just Mariano up top with you know creative players out wide so they can take care of the ball progression um but there were opportunities and especially moments where Benzema really wasn't playing well um and when i say not playing well i just don't mean goal scoring like there was a period where Benzema was like averaging like 0.3 key passes per game like i i, I mean i'm not joking um, I think we made a video on this school in Madrid like way early in the season about how even Benzema's creative numbers weren't there where I thought Mariano could have been useful and he would have provided something different. He would have provided a target for those crosses, he would have provided actual shot volume, which was a huge struggle, you know, the first half of the season and going into the second half of the season. Um again, you know, not not a regular, not a starter all games, but there were definitely ways he could have been strategically used that I think would have given us, like, just marginal gains that maybe would have, like, helped us push this league title race closer. Like, he was not going to, like, fundamentally change our hopes, but it would have definitely helped us in certain areas if he'd been used smarter. But I think there were just so many problems and there were so many things to worry about that, like, he was just forgotten. And when Benzema got into his groove, I think that was pretty much the end for him in a significant minutes. And then the injury happened, and that was that.
0: Is there anything else from this game in particular you want to touch on before we get to questions?
1: Uh, I mean, I really liked Cross this game. Mm. Um, you mentioned how he was like finding everyone. I think we often perceive Cross as like not able to survive in a chaotic environment. And I think it's fair to say that like defensively he'll suffer a little bit, but like Cross is Offensively, so it might
0: suit him actually. Right,
1: Cross is so good at like in a split second finding and exploiting spaces, and finding players up the field, that I thought offensively was extremely good, and towards the end of that game, where, like, all structure went away, I thought that triangle between him, Marcelo, and Brahim was quite nice, and I think that was, like, the moment that Brahim got, like, two of these shots off with his right foot that forced the keeper into good state. So, I, you know, again, you know, I mean, there's not really so much you can take away from that. We have a whole, like, career to look at with Kroos with, but... It's nice that like he can get these touches and get some of that confidence. You know, if that's if that's anything we can take away, it's that like, whatever the circumstances, of, if a player feels that he's played well, it's going to give him confidence, and that's going to have a positive effect moving forward.
0: Um, I think Cruz was, you know, we talked about Cruz. He was he was good. I agree with you. Um, very influential. He's had a lot of touches, six key passes. Most of his passes were good. I don't think his targets were that hard to pick out today in kind of the, the scheme Villarreal were playing. But uh, him and Marcelo again were, were kind of the two cogs of this this game for large stretches. Uh, I'm just checking to see if I miss anything from a VRL perspective. They really didn't threaten much.
1: Um, I thought Courtois was good towards the end when he like he also
0: had a couple good saves in the first half. One of them in particular yeah, our, was good.
1: Our defense like fell apart and it was just pretty much Courtois making some like solid saves. And then like there was also one time he came off his
0: line really well. I also think two goals for VRL is probably generous in this game. Like, they didn't really create much. Um, They had (laughs) a... In the second half, they had a Mario shot from a corner. And then they had... Samu with had another one a couple minutes beforehand. They really didn't have much. Whereas if you look at Real Madrid's kind of shot chart, their XG was actually over three. Uh, Yeah, I mean... they created a lot. Whether it was Marcelo or Vinicius kind of getting some chances in there, Brahim had a chance.
1: Shot-wise yes especially in the middle of the game but there it was also the case of like after we scored the third one there were so many opportunities where they could have got a shot off and they didn't because yeah. it was like last ditch defending and bad passes and stuff like i like i to put it this way i definitely felt like they were gonna second get, gonna get a second goal because we were just defending that poorly but yeah i mean i would agree with you that we deserved to win this at the end of the day we still created significantly more quality chances than they did
0: all right, patreon.com slash managing Madrid is where you go to pledge, get guaranteed responses to your questions, get guaranteed responses to mailbags. I have a written mailbag that went up a couple days ago on Managing Madrid and it, uh, a lot of it is just post-season and summer stuff. So it it's uh, it's not time sensitive. So go back and read it. And if you're a patron, I answered mostly your patron questions. So you're, if you're looking for your answer, it's probably there. Um, also, uh, stay tuned. We may be at... Om Marvin and I were, well, I, I posed this to Om, and uh, Om seemed like he was on board, but I won't spoil I think we're going to add a new segment to the show in the summertime. That'll be available only for patrons, and of course, Matt Wiltsy and I do our loan tracker. All our midweek shows, including mailbags, uh, post-game shows, are all on Patreon, so check it out. Patreon.com slash Madrid. Uh, first patron question is from Willie Reed. He says, a point that keeps coming up in the various pogba rumors is the fact that he would have to accept a greater a greatly lower wage to come to Spain. Although it's pretty encouraging that he would be able to be willing to do this, it seems like a pretty big disadvantage in the long run when it comes to luring big time targets. I get that Flo likes to keep the budget balanced, but do you foresee this becoming an issue in the next decade or so? Will the new stadium improvements help to get our wage budget more in line with that of the EPL? Or will we forever have so solely rely on the prestige that comes with playing in the burnabout to convince players to accept less than they would be paid elsewhere?
1: So, well, first of all, I don't even know if this is true, if this is true like this is what we're going to do. But if it is, it isn't a, really a question about whether we can afford it. It's a question about wage structure. Um, and essentially, the theory is, I mean and I mean I'd say the theory has been proven because this is the way Perez ended up fixing our financial situation after he took over the, in, in his first presidency is that like if you you pay players based on their squad status so like there's a reason Ronaldo was always the highest paid then Bale then Ramos and then Modric when he got his contract increase ended up you know going a lot higher and so on and so on so that like if you end up giving like a ton of money to someone who's like a role player like say you give it to Lucas Vasquez that gives leverage for all other role players to start asking for money but if you structure it in a certain way based on hierarchy you know you essentially if like Lucas Vasquez comes and asks for 400k a week like you you can just tell him like are you seriously asking for more money than, than Sergio Ramos your captain and that's how you keep it in line and keep it from getting out of control if you look at Barcelona they're the opposite they just kind of do it crazy and they're For, like, the last five years, they've constantly been on the edge, you know, of of that wage-to-revenue ratio that you need to keep in order. So, with Pogba, I think it's essentially the deal is that, like, he comes in. I I think it's fair to say that he's not quite at, like, if he comes in, his hierarchy won't be at, like, the Ramos level. Like, I think Pogba's very good, but is he a Ballon d'Or level of talent? I don't know. I think that's maybe how we all saw him in the beginning. I think we perhaps tempered that a little bit. I, I'm still very high on Pogba, a lot higher than a lot of Madrid fans are now, but I don't think he's quite like that Ballon d'Or level of talent. So I think that could be the case there. Now, you don't hear any of these rumors with Aiden Hazard because he is you know, at that Ballon d'Or level. And if he comes, I assume he would immediately be within like the top three paid players in the squad. So you have to think about it that way. There's a reason you have these rumors with Pogba, and there's a reason you don't have these rumors with Hazard. And it's not necessarily a question of whether you can afford it. I mean, it is in the sense of, like, in the future, but it's also a question of, like, hierarchy and, and keeping it in check that way. And, I, I mean, I think that's fair. Like, I think most players will get that, right? Like, superstars will get paid superstars' wages. And, you know, if you're not quite at that level, you're not going to get paid at that level. I think I think that's fairly clear, and I don't think that's going to hurt us that much.
0: We don't have, also, any real... Indica- I mean, we've heard reports... Of- but uh, we I haven't really had any concrete, real indication that Pugbo would actually take a pay cut to come here, right? And I think it's, I think it's asking a lot to for a Rayola agent to to take less money in anything. And I think, I mean, now like with Manchester United being officially eliminated in the Champions League, maybe that gives him less incentive to stay. Maybe he would be desperate to leave. Maybe not. I don't know. But I, uh, I mean, I've been vocal about this, so I don't want to rehash it, but. Basically, I'm on I'm on your side, Omen. I don't think he's that that guy who moves your needle and leads you to championships and and is kind of the leader of the team. I think he can be a very very important piece of a puzzle, and that's pro- been proven with France and Juve. If you surround him with the right pieces, but if he came under this wage that he's making at United, he'd be making almost a hundred k a week more than Sergio Ramos. Yeah, uh, so
1: that's why that's why he has to take the peak. We can't have I mean, even Hazard is probably not going to be earning. If he is earning more than Ramos, it's not going to be that much more.
0: I think like, he, he earns about the same.
1: Yeah. So I mean, that's that's probably what it would be around. Like, there's a reason only Ronaldo and Bale earned more than Ramos. One because Ronaldo was Ronaldo, and Bale was seen as the Ronaldo replacement. Like, it's very clear. I, I mean, and I don't want to like give the impression that like this this could never hurt us at all. Like, part of the reason Mbappe didn't come. I I think it's simplified a little bit, you know, I I think PSG was simply also a more attractive location, you know, for other reasons than money, but we didn't get Mbappe because he would have completely ruined the wing structure. Like, so there's going to be that one instance where we miss out, but then you look at the fact that like we were brought from literally the brink of financial disaster, like, you know, you win some, you lose some, but I think in the long run, you know, it's a good policy to have. I mean, there's, there's no debate really in when, when people are discussing how you run a club and how to keep it financially stable. I mean, there's no debate about this being the right way to do this. Um, And, I mean, we won three Champions Leagues under this. So, I mean, people are going to say, well, we won't win anything. I mean, we have. We're just not winning now. But it's not like we're never going to win in the future because of this.
0: Question from Brennan Powers. He says, how do you guys feel about Ramos becoming a potential coach down the line? Do you think he could? Do you think he would have the interest?
1: Uh, People ask these questions a lot. Um, and I understand why, but also like, I have no answer for you because I haven't seen him coach like, um, and I, there's really not much evidence out there to say that if you're a player, there's some inherent advantage you have as being a coach.
0: It could so go either way. It could go horribly it's like wrong. Asking,
1: it's like asking whether I would be a good coach down the line. Like who, who the hell knows? Like, I haven't seen him coach like, you know, with. It's slightly different for like Chabi Alonso and like midfield generals who like who basically were the system where they went. Like so, they had like a higher understanding of like tactics and stuff. But even then, it's still a toss up, right? Like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but D Stefano was was not a good manager. Right? He's terrible, right? And he was essentially a system at Real Madrid. So like. Yeah. I mean, if you're a Xabi Alonso type player, maybe you have a slight edge, but you could still be awful. It's still almost 50-50 because it depends on you learning an entirely new skill set, an entirely new way of being in football. And it doesn't really matter whether you're a football player or not, whether you succeed in that. So I have no idea. I mean, I know that's an unsatisfactory answer, but it's the only honest one I have. I can't, I would be lying if I if I said he'd be a bad one. He'd be a good one because I haven't seen him coach at all.
0: No, it's the only it's the only answer that anyone can give, uh, and anyone who who makes definitive claims either way is they they can't be trusted because you just don't know. With Ramos, is is kind of I guess the Ramos one. I never really thought about. Um, I was th- I was thinking about the De one a little bit about like trying to explain why he he was so bad at his job for I think it, I think he only it was one year. He became a coach Real uh, Madrid. When you watch Di Stefano play, and I also wonder how much of their their playing style kind of matters, and with respect to their coaching career, like it does seem like the the deep lying maker or the 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 deep lying playmaker or the defensive midfielder seems to have an advantage because they're they're able to connect everything through that position. They're able to see the entire field. They're able to communicate with their defenders. Tactically, they they seem to be aware of of uh, of the game at a very high level. Um, I feel like that's a really good position to to play in if you want to become a coach. But I will also say Di Stefano, it seemed like he played every single position on the field at any mm-hmm. given minute. So I think it, I almost wonder like because of how good he was and how much of an outlier he was in terms of he would just go and get the ball wherever it was on the field. He'd be putting on a defensive tackle. Then the next minute he'd, he's in the box squaring a pass to Pushkas. I also wonder if like how could how could he possibly translate that into a coaching style because it was a one man show in many ways. Um I you know I often think about how that if if that's kind of part of the reason cuz you can cuz you you have to be able to as a coach I think you have to be able to make a cohesive structure a system mm-hmm. because you can't if you ha- if you're relying on a DiStefano to run your your team then you're you're waiting for one of the five players ever to come along and do that for you mm-hmm. um with Ramos I also I have no inclination as to what how how I was also thinking back to defenders who turned into coaches I couldn't really think of any off the top of my head some of the like the ones we have now in uh, in football who are successful in the modern era were weren't really defenders anyone from Ancelotti to to Pep um, to Zidane, to Conte, these guys. Coman maybe, but I don't think he's done really well as a coach. Um, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, also did, I don't think has, has Ramos ever actually even been vocal about no, this. I I, no,
1: I, as far as I know, he's never even mentioned it. I, don't, I, I mean, he's still very much in his prime or like maybe just dropping off. And so I think he, in his mind at least, there's probably still like four or five more years where he even has to start thinking about that. I mean, also, like, I would also, like, I think everything here on the way you, like, talked about, you know, the midfielders, like, defense midfielders having an advantage or a slight one, and then everything is still like stuff, stefano makes sense, but also still, even then, I wouldn't read that much into it because, like, for example, if you asked whether I thought Guti would be a good coach, I mean, I would have been, like, the old me would have been, like, I don't really know. I mean, Guti's personality was kind of erratic. He was inconsistent, Yeah. and he's probably the best former Real Madrid player coach that you know we've seen. You know, at least in the youth system. Obviously, Zidane is the best because, but he was also like the only one besides Zidane got the Real Madrid job. But in terms of like coaching the youth teams, I mean, Guti's Guti by is by far the most best. successful. Yeah. And everyone thought, oh, I mean, this doesn't make sense because it's a completely different skill set than, than being a player. And, you know, players mature, you know, when they turn get into their 30s and 40s, they become different people as well. So it's, it's just really so hard to say.
0: Christian Gonzalez, a question out of left field. He says, what's the word on Juan Bisaka from Crystal Palace? Does anyone watch him?
1: So, um no, I don't watch him consistently, but I do know that he's quite good. Um, especially, he, he's a very good dribbler. Like he's in the top like 90th percentile in the Premier League for dribbles completed. Um, and a lot of like Premier League teams higher up the table that need a fullback want him. Like I, I know a lot of Tottenham fans would like him because they haven't really replaced like Kyle Walker um, since since he left. So. You know they are, you know that type of player. So like they need production from the fullback position. And when you have like Kyrian Trippier and you have like an old, you know, sub prime, post prime Danny Rose, or you have to play Jan Vertonghen at left back in a Champions League game, you know, you want some quality in the fullback position, and he definitely offers it. In terms of like Real Madrid, which is why I'm guessing this has been asked. I, I mean I think we're fine. I don't think we need him at all. We have. Carvajal and we have You know, I'm not worried about the position for a long time.
0: Um, Nothing to add. I haven't really seen Juan Bissaka at all. Um, Apart from just kind of knowing about him and being a right back. And he seems to be a good offensive and defensive fullback. But like you said, we have Carvajal, Odrio We have Atraf at Dortmund. Uh, That's why I said this kind of question came out of left field. Um, A couple... Things, Not necessarily questions, but there are two of our patrons who are in different respective cities who are wondering if you're in that city. Is there a fan base? And if not, can can one be formed? Ramin Nagi says, anyone in Vancouver in- interested in building a support group for next season? Um, so if you're in Vancouver, you listen to this message, Ramin Nagy, on Patreon. Or just send us a message and we'll try to see if we can connect the dots and and. Uh, and and have something formed there it'd be really cool i don't know i mean i don't know if there's any listeners many listeners in vancouver but uh, it's an amazing city to be in uh ross cabrera also says hey guys are any of you based in london or know of any supporters supporter clubs in london i'd love to join uh cheers so also ross in london uh, so if you're in london or vancouver let us know or let them know on patreon and uh see if you guys can connect Oh, Marvin, anything to plug before we wrap it up? I guess you haven't done much. You've been busy, but...
1: Uh... I haven't done much. Way to way to take a shot right there. Well, um, what, it's, it's, like it's, no, it's, it's there no, it for everyone true. to
0: see. It's not even a secret. You just haven't put content. Oh, up.
1: wow. Okay, there we go. Um, Keon, not holding that, tells it like it is. Yes, um, exams still in that. Um, we'll be wrapping that up fairly soon, and hopefully as we move into the summer, we can get back to the regular schedule with the Real- School of Real Madrid and stuff.
0: Yeah, School of Real Madrid will be probably busy this summer. And uh, yeah, go read go read the mailbag that's up on managingmadrid.com. We'll have this match covered from a tactical perspective. C-Trick will have that up sometime tomorrow, I believe. And uh, we'll, we'll have a lot of podcasts coming your way in the next week or two, but also throughout the summer. So we'll, we're going to keep going. Again, Patreon.com slash ManagingMadrid is where you go to pledge. And I wanted to give a quick shout-out to our $10-plus patrons because one of your rewards, if you pledge $10 or more, is you get a specific shout-out on the podcast. So shout-out to uh, these amazing $10-plus patrons. Mikael Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, uh, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Nick DeStefane, Adam Dorsey, Frederick Rantakiro, Leon Savarnakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Nicole Gant, Sergio Monleon, Elian Zacco, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Robero, Eric Rogers, Sad Omar, Oluwapamimo Ola Patrick Odayafadi, Christian Toph, Dan Berthi, Armin Gashi, Tarek Sphere, Tyler Dixon, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Pena Marilisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Brennan Stevens, Casper Moscala, Catherine Fagundo, Vino Baratula, Zoran Vosincic, Sway Ayala, Crystal Glass, Rafael Servia, Yehin Liang, Karen Scherer, Ahmed Almayahi, Umar Mahadi, Amy L, Shabas Sharapov, Fabian Moreno, Varu and Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Solomon Ortiz, Brennan Powers. Thank you so much. Uh, You guys are all amazing. We really appreciate your support. Um, And until next time, hala Madrid.
1: Hala Madrid.